Hi, I'm Carrie Butler, and you're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I have a special offer for my listeners. You can get my new course at carriebutlercoach.com slash broadwaypodcast. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Penny, who just couldn't stop the beat? Yes, with roller skates on her feet. Of course, it's recently to see. to Breaking Broadway. I am super excited about our guest today. Andrew Femme is a casting director who uses their platform to demystify the casting process. Um, Just a little backstory on Andrew. Andrew is a trans, non-binary, and multilingual casting director, college showcase consultant, community care organizer, and artist based in New York City. In casting, they work in television, theater, film, commercials, and whatever other medium you need. Some of my favorite things you've worked on, Mm. Andrew, are Hamilton, obviously, and (laughs) Russian Doll. Yeah. That's such a cool show. Okay, so anyway, I found Andrew on Instagram because your posts are amazing. Not only is it great information on the casting process, but also like you're hilarious. And the way you edit um, your posts is really good. Like I can tell you put a lot of time into it. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) I sure do. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, before I'm just going to tell, I'm just going to tell everybody what is your um, Instagram handle? Because you, you absolutely have to follow them because 
I learn stuff from your posts all the time. Well, thank you. Um, it's just at casting by them. <laughs> Keeping it simple. Andrew, tell us about your journey to becoming a casting director. What did you want to yeah. be when you were little? What did I want to be when I was little? Um, did you love theater? Did you love? I did love theater. My parents are from here. They grew up in Brooklyn. Oh, me too. Where did you grow up in Brooklyn? No, my parents did. I grew up in New Jersey. Oh, oh, okay, okay. My mom's from Bushwick, and my dad grew up actually in um, Glendale, Queens. Oh, okay. But they were high school sweethearts. It's deeply embarrassing. I think they still like oh each other God. even. Um, but <laughs> yeah, they really loved theater, and so we got to grow up. We grew up like an hour away in New Jersey, which is really lucky. And so we had yes. access to New York, and they really loved theater, and so we grew up seeing theater. Like growing up, the only cassette tapes uh, in my dad's car <laughs> were, it was like the original cast recording of the Who's Tommy, the original oh cast recording of Phantom of the Opera, which was like a two cassette set. <laughs> was it four even? It was like so many tapes. That show was really long. And then like uh, Martha and the Vandellas number ones. And oh. so I always say, you know, like my parents tried to raise at least one gay kid and um, <laughs> they did it. Congratulations. <laughs> We just like grew up with theater and like uh, 1960s girl group music. <laughs> so they did it. The Marvelous Wonderettes, huge for me. I know. That's so random, I feel like. I mean, I, it's a great show, but that's very <laughs> random. for. <laughs> yeah, they made that one for me. I was like, wow, thank you. Did you go to school for theater? I did not, which is pretty rare for people who work in casting. Because I feel like a lot of people's entry points to cast it, like getting to know people who work in casting is, as an actor. I didn't. I went to school for Spanish and linguistics. Oh, wow. Just because I liked them. Uh, but I never had any intention of like pursuing that professionally, much to my parents' <laughs> dismay. It's okay. I went to state school um, on a scholarship. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, I did not go to school for theater. I just grew up loving theater, loving actors, loving musical theater especially. And then graduated, had no idea what I wanted to do. Worked like a really silly job that my cousin hooked me up with. And then one day I was at dinner with my best friend. And she was like, what was the silly job? Well, my dad's family's Italian, so I know how it sounds, but it's real. He owns a dessert manufacturing company, okay. which is real. You can find them in stores. They're real desserts. <laughs> um, I'm not tipping anything off. Uh, so I was my job was answering phones when the woman who answered phones couldn't. So I was like backup phone answerer. Okay. At a factory. So like nobody was calling. It wasn't like a storefront where people would be like, how late are you open today? Or like, oh, do you have this? It was like no one would ever call. The phone would ring maybe twice a day, mm -hmm. which was great. So yeah, I was at dinner with my best friend one night and she was like, girl, what are like, what are you actually <laughs> going to do though? Because answering phones for John is not it. And um, I didn't, didn't know. I said I didn't know, but she didn't really believe me. So she pressed and I was like, I don't know, like casting. She was like, great, look into that. And I didn't know what it was at the time. I'm like the... I think like the last generation of casting directors who got into it before we knew it was like a thing kind of. Uh -huh. And I put that in context because the summer I started in casting in March and that summer was when the Legally Blonde Search for the Next Elle Woods show came out on MTV, which mm -hmm. like, you know, is not, it's a reality TV competition show. It's not the casting process, but it was about the casting of the Next yeah. Elle Woods and Bernie Telsey was on there and it was like, oh, there's this person who's called the casting director and like, who is that? And what is their interaction with the process? And again, like, that's not what the casting process is, but it was like, there was a person there and then there was the Grease one. And I think like, I think Jay Binder was on there at some point and it was like, mm -hmm. casting director started to 
appear on things um, as themselves, not as like the cranky characters that we see them as, where it was like, oh, these are like real life people who if you Google them, it's like, wow, they have credits and they've cast things. So yeah, I started just before that. So I always say like, I just, I guessed and I happened to be right. Like I got really lucky my first day as an intern uh, at Jim Carnahan Casting. Um, It was exactly what I thought it would be. And, or you know, it was like exactly what I hoped it would be. And I was like, oh yeah, this is great. It was like, we get to talk about actors and like who's great and what they can do and just champion actors. Awesome. So I got really lucky that I just took a wild guess and it happened to be right. And it worked out. Oh, good. You know, when I was little, I was already in the business, but so I would force my friends to play this game where we would cut out pictures. I would be like the agent trying to cast. I played casting director as a kid. No one wanted to play this game with me. I was going to say, how was that for your friends? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I had a lot of friends, not the same ones though. It turned over a lot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah either i was either playing that game or forcing them to be in shows in the backyard that they did not want to be a part of yeah now post covid how has the business changed do you feel like yeah it's very different from mm-hmm. my point of view in casting virtual auditions are so much more a thing right i don't think i had ever done a virtual audition before covid yeah. Yeah. Oh God, especially for theater. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. But like even, yeah, no. Self tapes were always a thing. But I right. mean, even that wasn't like huge always because the technology just wasn't as good. Um, you know, not everybody had an HD video camera sitting in their pocket all the time. So I've noticed that's a big shift. But also it's like that creates a lot more accessibility to opportunities for performers. So it's like it's good and bad. I don't yeah. think we get to see more actors and we get to like audition more people because in an audition we'll do the scenes and like, we'll give adjustments, you know, casting directors will give adjustments. Mm -hmm. And so we'll try it a couple different times. And so that takes, you know, that might take like 15 minutes to get what ends up being three minutes worth of audition. And so with self tapes, we end up with just the three minutes of audition. So it's like, Oh, you can see so many more people because we're not doing all the in-between. However, of course, like the in-between stuff is very important because now actors are just like guessing at everything, which is, not helpful to them. Uh, I don't think it's very challenging to set actors act to actors up to win in the same way in virtual auditions or like self tapes, especially. Yeah, you give great tips on that, like um, how you say to research the tone of the project. Yeah. yeah, there's just like a lot more prep that has to go in for actors, I think. And yeah, researching tone, especially because like you don't you know, you don't have a person in the room telling you like, oh, no, actually, it's like a little bit more sort of this point of view. So there's just a lot more responsibility on the actors on the front end, which is challenging. And there's not we can't change course in the moment. And so sometimes it's like, even if it makes sense for like everything, you know, about the show and that director and everybody else involved, it's like, oh, no, this thing's actually like a little bit of a departure from that. There's nobody to tell you when you're in your little vacuum recording the audition. So that's challenging. So when we get an audition, like, how would we research the tone? Yeah. <laughs> well, what a great question. Go, I mean, well, if it's a thing that already exists, just look it up. And that's right. a, you know, if you can see this, if it's like a theater thing, go see the show if you can. If not, there's press rails of stuff or people perform on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or talk shows. And so there's always clips of something or, you know, there's the other stuff that's on YouTube that exists. Yes. There's unofficial B-roll. <laughs> as, <laughs> Which I don't know exists. Neither of us knows anything about that. But I've heard (laughs) tale from people. And if it's not something that exists, which happens a lot, I work a lot in television also. And so it's pilot season right now for the networks. And so if it's not something that exists, just look up, you know, who the director is. And I mean, mostly who the director is and who wrote it. 
and look at the other stuff that they've done because you know, people have particular styles that they work in. And that's a good thing because it means that like, you know, they leave a mark on their work and that it's very identifiable. And so it's always important for people to do that because sometimes somebody will come in and not have, I worked on a very popular show and somebody came in to audition for it and it was just like, completely out of left field. And I was, to, I was like, Hey, did you, um, have you, have you seen the show? Like literally everyone has seen the show. Uh, right. I was like, Hey, have you like seen the show or what's, what's going on? <laughs> and he was like, Oh no, I decided to, um, I def I specifically didn't watch it cause I wanted to just like, have a fresh take, but I'm pretty sure I know, uh, what should be done. And I was like, um, you, you don't is the thing. So help me help you. So yeah, for sure. Research, like just watch it. And you don't have to watch the whole, like watch an episode just cause it's so different. Yeah. Sometimes I get an audition and I can't tell, like for a pilot, and I can't even tell if it's a comedy or a drama. <laughs> and yep. so then the only way I can tell is by looking at, you know, like the uh, what the writer has mostly worked on and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also like look at the other actors in it. Because it's like, oh, if it's like, why do I always think about Daniel Day-Lewis? I love comedy. And so he's like, I think like my go-to very serious actor. I'm like, yeah. So if it's like Daniel Day-Lewis, it's probably not going to be like a lighthearted family comedy. Um, right. Although who knows, you know, Mark Rylance loves to keep us guessing. But yeah, look at the other people involved. All these people. Ugh, also all white men. Next. <laughs> <laughs> no more men. <laughs> um, okay, also when we are um putting since we're putting ourselves on tape so much now, what kind of um background do we need? All of that stuff, all the technical stuff, what do we need? Yeah, the opposite of what's behind me right now. And if you ever watch my videos, the opposite of what's there. But I did that. I was trying to figure out what to do. I talked to a friend of mine, Mary Page Nance, who's in A Beautiful Noise, right? On Broadway? Yeah, that's the name of the show. But she she and I chat a lot about social media. And so I was trying to figure out a background for it. And I was like, oh, like, what's something that like feels like me? And it'll be fun and give people like a sense of my personality. And I had a hot pink um, <gasps> backdrop at one point because I thought that would be fun. But then it was just like a little too, it was a little too serious and intense because it was like a little too polished in a way that I didn't think like was me ultimately. And I was like, okay. oh, what if I use like my actual apartment and my little wall of art that I've made and all these picture frames I spray painted. So th the opposite of this, what background do you need? Just something like plain and simple. It can be a lot of people use like that really rich blue tone just because it makes I a lot use. of people pop against it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people look good against it, which is great. You know, if you have like a... Darker skin tone, you could think about shifting more toward purple because that's a little bit more complimentary. A lot of people use like a gray. And so you could do like a gray with a little bit more of a blue in it or whatever. But yeah, something just plain and simple because you don't want uh, distractions from the work. And also, oh God, right. Something that I think used to be more the trend is like those ones with a little bit of like a pattern to it, like the sort of tie-dye-y kind of feel. Oh. You would know it if you saw it. If you look up like okay. old self-tapes, like auditions from like 20 years ago or something you'll it, okay. that used to be like the style it was this weird it's like not tie-dye but sort of tie-dye pattern so for the love of god use a solid <laughs> and we should have a ring light is that you should have some kind of light for sure because yeah i mean not every camera is great you know there's so much light on me right now to look like i think there's not really light on me but yeah, that's the thing I always encourage people to play around about. And a million years ago, I taught a class on how to self-tape. And I had to remind people, like, casting only sees the finished product. I only see what it looks like. I can't see what's going on behind the camera. So, like, by any means necessary, make sure it looks good. And so if that means, like, moving, you know, some people don't have, like, a light kit. Great. If you have a bunch of lamps in your apartment and you can move them around 
and make it work. Like, great. And if that feels unsustainable at some point and you decide you want to invest in a light kit to make your life easier, do that. But yes, have lights on you. Definitely look at what it looks like before you get started. And always like a good little barometer is like, we just have a little catch light in the eyes. Like, is there a little bit of light in my eyes? There is. Great. That's always like a good thing. Because otherwise, like if I turn all these off, my eyes are black. I know. (laughs) And I ended up using like a super cheap ring light that seems to do the trick. So I I don't, I didn't buy anything like super expensive for my setup. Yeah. Nor should you. There's no need. It's like, if it looks good, it looks good. Who cares? And I've had friends truly do like the move every lamp in my apartment around to get it done. It's like, I would never know. It looks great. Cool. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Are there any um, traps that you've seen actors fall into? (laughs) No. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Plenty. I think one of them is just focusing on the wrong thing and thinking that like the wrong things matter. Like you mentioned background. And I think people will stress about like what kind of background to use to the point of just being frozen. Or think it, you know, or stressing that like, oh, no, I use this one that's like a slightly deeper blue, less the, you know, instead of like the slightly lighter blue, like does that. And I want to say that that's hyperbole or an exaggeration, but like it's not. I'm friends with a lot of actors. You guys really torture yourselves. So just focusing on the wrong stuff. It's like it's literally just about saying the lines and that's, it. you know, like if we can hear you okay and see you okay great like there's so i've booked people off of so many different kinds of self-tape like when they're on vacation somewhere and just like shooting on a phone in a hotel room with like no there's no plane wall but like you know with something like this behind them and it's like it doesn't really yeah it's like if you're good you're good it'll be fine you know and also i think a thing a lot of people maybe don't know is that yeah a lot of times now less so for theater because there's a longer callback process but for like tv there's not Often a callback process. Oftentimes you'll get booked from your self tape. Like you will send in your one audition and be done and then be like, hello, you got the job. We will see you on set. And so, yeah, like that's why the stakes are a little bit, this might sound counterintuitive, but the stakes are a little bit lower just because like there's not going to be a callback process. So it's like, you're good. Like you're going to get the role or you're not going to get the role. Like it's not going to be whatever's going on. You know, of course you want all those things. Like, you know, you want us to be able to like see you and hear you and have sort of a plain background, but like, doesn't matter. And I think people focus a lot on that or they'll just get really in their heads about slight differences in a line reading mm-hmm. that don't make any. It's like if it's motivated and it's grounded and it makes sense for the character and what's going on in the scene, your relationship with the other people, like it doesn't matter. Like I've never been watching an audition, especially if it's you know like two or three, like a couple pages where it's like you're thinking about one line in a scene that's this big. Like it doesn't matter. But I think people get really stressed about that. And they're like, oh, no, that was such a good take. But the way I said that one thing, it's like, no, a good take is a good like view your auditions holistically. And just because I think that's helpful, just so you don't get hung up on like any one particular detail, because like if the whole thing is good, that little that one little even if it's like forgetting a line or, you know, oops, I sort of forgot the line. So I kind of paraphrased like so often it doesn't matter. I mean, I guess if it's Shakespeare, someone's probably going to notice, but like, I don't catch Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, oh, good to know. Good to know. Um, what about, like, are there any people that come in and just like every audition, it's, they just really know what they're doing? And is, they, is there something to that? Yeah, there's, I think a lot of people that do that who we audition often. But I do think that's a thing that definitely takes 
time because auditions are like auditions are very high stakes. It's so mm-hmm. weird and unnatural. I mean, first of all, it's like, right, we're all playing pretend. So even on that level, it's like, okay, so you're walking into a room with like, not me. And maybe yeah. we've never met each other before. And then you're going to do a scene where you're not you and I'm not me. And I also might be like a few different characters and there might be like right. this big world and a lot of stuff going on. So it's like baseline. It's weird. What we do is very silly. And, you know, like you want to get the job because sure, you want to be in the show, but also like you need to pay rent. You need to keep your health insurance. So like there's a lot of stakes in auditions, which is why I think it's like very important for casting directors to work overtime to try to make actors feel at ease. But, you know, people who are good at auditioning, I think are able to actually Lisa Kudrow. There's an episode of RuPaul's podcast. It's episode 62, Lisa Kudrow. And she talks a lot about when she was coming up and she says at one point, she's like, you know, I got really good at auditioning is the phrase she uses. And he's like, okay, well, what does that mean to be good at auditioning? She's like, you know, I just learned to like not take it personally and just to show up and like say the lines and then leave. And she makes a big point about she's like she had um, these two teachers and one of them would drill like it's a business. So none of this is personal. And he would say like, Mm -hmm. if you walk in a room and somebody's eating, they're like, they're not eating at you. Like they're not eating to be rude to like get in your head. They're like, it's like, you know, they're eating because maybe they haven't had a break all day and they've been in auditions for like six hours and they have two hours left and they're hungry, but they want to keep at like, you know, but they don't want you to be stuck out there waiting because something else happened. Like, so I think that's a lot of what makes people like good at us. Like, yeah, of course, be really prepared and all that stuff, but also just like, just be present and don't take it personal and just, which is also much easier said than done. And just like, and listen, you know, if somebody gives you an adjustment, like really try to take that on because we're trying to help. We always, it's so cliche, but it's true. Is that like, we're rooting for you to quote Tyra Banks. We're all rooting for you. And like, we really are first of all, because you know, we like actors and that's why I work in casting. If you don't like actors, you can't work in casting. It's definitely not glamorous. You have to just like want to be there to champion actors But also, you know, on a personal level, it's like, I want you to book the job so I can be done. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) (laughs) If you book the job, I can I can go take a nap. I can go get lunch with my friends after. It's like I don't have to keep stressing like, oh, no, we didn't find it today. I have to have more auditions tomorrow. Who's it going to be? We've seen all the people that I can think like. So there's nothing better you can do than walk in and like be the solution to the problem. (laughs) So I think yeah. embodying that is what helps people just feel more self-assured in auditions. It's like, prepare as much as you can and then have fun. The other thing Lisa Kudrow says is one of her teachers would say, like, you guys all complain about how you don't. I think it's easy for people to conceive of having a job as your opportunity to be an actor and to, like, do acting. And her teacher said, like, you all complain that you don't get opportunities to act. You got this audition. That's three minutes of, like, uninterrupted acting. So, like, remember, that's a good thing. That's the thing that you want to be doing. So if that's a way that's helpful to reframe it I think that's a good thing to remember that's like oh right you get to like do the thing that you love right now for three you know even if you don't get the role like you got to be alphabet for those like 25 pages of sides yeah yeah I always say that too I'm when I'm teaching I'm, I'm always like you know think of your audition as like I can't wait to show you what I could do I'm doing a mini performance for you yeah. um and it's fun? fun it's fun then yeah and and don't focus on the outcome because so many times you might not be right for that part, but then you'll be right for the next part. So if you do a good job, mm-hmm. they'll remember you for the next one. Yep. I think a lot of people say is like, don't worry about booking the job, book the room, which is like, you know, just make fans of the people in the room. Cause there's so many times, mm. right? It's like, you don't know who else is in the room and what they're working on or what they have in the pipeline. There are so many times, especially working on high maintenance, people would be frustrated a lot that they had never auditioned for the show. And there were so many times, like if I went through the God hundreds of people we cast on that show, 
so many of them booked their first time coming in the room. And it's just because we had such a clear sense of what we had been making the show for so long before it moved to HBO. And like, we all spoke the same language, like being the creator, like we all knew each other for so long before we made the show. And so it was like, oh, no, it's just because I'm like really locked in. Like we'd be able to bring, you know, there were so many times we'd bring in exactly one person for a role because I would read it and be like, oh, it's this person. And they would come in and nail it. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that was a very special experience, but it was like because we were true. We were we had known each other so well. We knew the show so well. So it was like, yeah, so don't read like if you're not getting in for that show, it's like maybe it's because I know you and you're just not right for it yet. Maybe you're not going right. to be right for it ever, but it's also like, maybe you just need a little time to like cook a little bit more. Maybe you're not quite old enough. Maybe you don't have like enough life experience to inform that role. So yeah, like don't read into anything. Also, sometimes the last thing I'll say about that is don't worry about the reaction you're getting because you don't know what it means. Sometimes people in the room might not be reacting very much because you're doing amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, think there it is. Jesus. And like, I don't even, you know, it's not like, you're amazing. And I'm like, oh, yay, this is exciting. It's just like, maybe I'm relieved. Or maybe I'm like, oh, yeah. thank God. I thought this person was going to be great. And they are. Whew. And so that's not going to look on the outside like what you're hoping it's going to look like when you're nailing this audition. But it's like, no, it's good. like try not to read anything into anything. It's a really hard skill to develop. But I always encourage people. I'm like, take things at face value. If somebody says you're doing a good job, great. If somebody's not saying anything, don't put their opinion on top of that. Don't be like, ugh, they didn't like me because they, you know, didn't smile on this one. It's like, you don't you don't know. There's so many I, times I my friends have booked jobs where it's like, I thought I, you know, totally bombed that audition and then I booked the job. It's like, yeah, you never know. Yeah, that's <laughs> happened to me a lot, too. And I definitely do try and read the room. So I am guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so much easier said than done, please. On that note, let's take a pause and everybody tune in next week to hear more of Andrew's amazing tips. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast and want more episodes, please take a second to rate it. Check out my website, Carrie Butler Coach, for more info on private coaching and teaching at schools. You can follow me on Instagram, Carrie Butler One, and visit bpn.fm slash Breaking Broadway for all ways to listen, follow, subscribe, hear past episodes of Breaking Broadway, and find out more information. Together you and I are Breaking Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.